Galen Stutzman with us. Come on up, Galen. He is uh, from Ohio and uh, been a friend of ours for a long time. He's here to share the message with us this morning. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your goodness, that your mercy is from everlasting to everlasting, that you are infinite and your qualities are infinite as well. Thank you that you have chosen to bless us and with all these blessings. And so we, in turn, uh, reflect that blessing back to you and give ourselves to you for you to do with us as you please. And this morning we're here to hear more about what you have for us, what you want to bless us with, and how you want us to live. God, we just uh, look to you to speak to us. Holy Spirit, interpret to our hearts and impress upon us that we, when we walk out of this room, that we would be changed and we commit ourselves to following you with all our hearts. I pray your blessing on Galen. I pray that you would prosper him and uh, speak through him uh, as only you can. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to be with you here this morning. I greet you in Jesus' name. I invite you to open your Bibles, if you have them, to the first verse of the first chapter of the first book. We're going to look at Genesis 1 for just a little bit. I'd like to think this morning about something that would it not be here or we would have it, uh, we couldn't really have church. And that is light. There'll be more. I want to give a few things for us to think about light. And I want us to think not only, I'll, get, I'll explain a few things maybe from a little bit more of a scientific angle about light, but I also want to internalize it and spiritualize this, the light that is inside of us. Genesis 1, let's read the first five verses. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Now we believe that, this, that God was the, is the creator, but there's some maybe big picture things that I'd like to emphasize with this text, maybe a little differently than looking specifically at the creation. The first thing that I see, this is kind of like the, you want to call it the topical sentence of a paragraph of the book, it's about redemption. It's about God coming and making order out of chaos. It's about the light shining into darkness, as only God can do. God, I believe, is the creator of light. Now, as we, if we would read down on further, we would see that the sun actually wasn't created until, what was it, day four? So what kind of light was this? That's something for us to keep thinking about, and maybe a little bit of a mystery. One thing I see in here is that the coming of light is what chases the darkness away. And as that light of Jesus Christ enters into us, it chases away the darkness. So in order to have life, you have to first of all have light. And we'll look at that further in the New Testament here in just a little bit. 
That is true in the natural world. If there wouldn't be light, as in sunlight, life couldn't exist here on earth. Just as we don't have that spiritual light within us, we don't have spiritual life either. And before we go into the New Testament, I want to think a little bit about light. What actually is light? It's not a material thing that I can pull out of my pocket and say, here, Leonard, I'll give you some light. Well, maybe if I turn my flashlight on in my phone or something like that. But that's still not really a material, physical thing that you can tangibly give to somebody. So is it a thing or is it not a thing? Well, obviously it's something that we have. It exists because we have it here. If we turned off the lights, it wouldn't be so pleasant to have church. And without sunlight, the earth would be dead. We know that. Just Here's a few, <clears throat> a few um, random facts and considerations as it relates to life. Life is one of the fastest things in known unto man. It moves at an estimated 186,282 miles per second. So the sun being 93 million miles away, it takes about eight minutes for the light from the sun to actually arrive here on earth. Interesting. One of the strangest facts about light is color. Sunlight is not just one color. It's what we would call white light because it is actually comprised of all the different colors mixed together. And the easiest way for us to know this is through a rainbow. Uh, you know how if you look at a rainbow, at the top of the spectrum you see red. And that's because those light waves are the longest. They bend the least. We know that if we come on down, you have orange, yellow, green, blue, violet, indigo, or indigo and violet, I guess it is. And as you go on down, the, the purple rays or the, the indigo rays bend the sharpest. So that's why you have the red at the top of the rainbow and the purple at the bottom, because those bend sharper. Those light waves are shorter. Interesting that there's different color in sunlight. Now, if you were to, um, since all the colors are in the sunlight, an object ob um, absorbs the color except for the color that's reflected off of its skin. So, for example, if I would have a red tomato here, it would look red to us because all the light is soaked in there except for the red, and that gives that reflection. So if we were to take a filter, some kind of a green light filter, for example, and look at a red tomato through that filter, it would look black to us because there's no red light to be reflected off. I kind of wish it'd be kind of interesting to do that experiment. I didn't have the right things, including a tomato. <laughs> but it would be fun to, 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 to do that sometime. Now, here's something for us to think about. As we look at that, we see that that is red. That tomato is red. We look at our psalm books, and they are purple. Well, we, you know the old saying, seeing is believing. We see something, uh, those psalm books are purple. Well, interestingly enough, if our eyes would be just slightly different, then we might see those light photons uh, produce a light that is totally different. You've heard of people being colorblind? That's kind of what happens. They see the light through a little differently than, than other people do. And 
There's really no way to know that when we look at the psalm book that you're seeing the exact same purple that I am. There's really no way of knowing that. You know the old saying, men, men are colorblind? Maybe there's a male-female difference here. I don't know. I'm kind of jesting here. <laughs> the lesson, I think, for us is that sometimes things appear to us. They're so obvious to us, but it, we might have the wrong view. So we need to be open to other people's perspectives as well. Maybe our vision is the one that's slightly skewed. Maybe it's a pale purple. And I, I've heard of people seeing, I forget who it was, uh, an individual told me recently that they're not colorblind, but they don't see a certain color. I think it was maybe blue. The same way they have a hard time distinguishing that between that and green. They can see the other spectrum of fine. Isn't that amazing? How just a little thing can really skew our, our vision. I think God has some lessons for us to, to learn as we think about light and how it appears to us. Now, I, I was, I'm being fairly simplistic with light here. Light is actually more complex than what our initial impression is. As I look at the creation account, I think God said, let there be light. Boom, there was light and he was done. In my mind, God didn't do a whole lot the first day. Or did he? Maybe it's more complex than I realize that it is. I look at day six and I thought, whoa, he is super busy because he made all those land animals and he made man. And if you think about the land animals, the creeping things, there's more insect species than any other known family of, of creatures on earth. I forget how many there are now. I think it's in the hundreds of thousands, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and I know that there's speciation and so on, but... I think God was, in my mind, it looks like he was super busy on day six. Maybe that's why he took a break on day seven. No, I'm kidding. I would have had to, I'm sure. But maybe light is more complex than we might realize that it is. The, what we see, I mentioned the, the spectrum of the rainbow. We see from red to indigo, I think it's, or violet, I mean. There, but that's only a small fraction of the entire scope of or the entire spectrum of light. You have what's called ultraviolet, and you have what's called infrared. Uh, there, are, there are tools available now that you can use infrared uh, goggles or heat imaging binoculars or uh, like a scope through a gun or something like that, and you can actually, the heat actually outlines the, the animal. Uh, at home in our area, there's a problem with coyotes. And they have, they're pretty hard on the, on the deer population. And so the deer hunting enthusiasts go out at night with a thermal scope and pick off the coyotes. And usually that's a very, well, that's a very accepted thing. <laughs> There's absolutely, if you see a coyote, get rid of it. It's no good. Well, that's because the advantage they have is because of infrared. They can see that heat imaging uh, object out there. <clears throat> Here's an interesting little uh, part, of the, part of the inspiration for this was a co-teacher of mine I'm teaching at a Bible school About an hour and a half from here And a co-teacher of mine and I were talking He's, preaching from the, he's teaching from the, the Gospel of John And we're going to look at that passage here In just a little bit But some of the things he told me I found rather inspiring Because of the way that God talks about Light and, and so on he has chickens. He raises chickens, 
And you know, in the winter, as the, as the daylight hours shorten, chickens don't produce that well. They, they will lay some eggs, but not a lot. In fact, we, for the first time, we're keeping chickens over the winter. And it's interesting, I knew I wanted to get some kind of artificial light, and so I, we moved them inside and I didn't get my lights up right away, and the egg production went down. Out of our, we just have a really, really small flight, it's a hobby thing. So out of our five chickens, we would get probably about three eggs. Well, I turned the lights on, I got them hooked up, and I turned them on for about 12 hours a day. And the next, I think three out of, two out of the next three days, we got five eggs. Every chicken laid an egg. And I thought, oh, maybe I should scale back the light. I don't want to wear them out. So I, I turned it down just a little bit. Well, they have since kind of scaled back, but anyway. My co-teacher at Bible school said that he also has chickens. And he said that in sunlight, you have the full spectrum of light. And he said that with that, that's when chickens do their best, if they can have the natural sunlight, because they get the full spectrum. But with artificial light, they don't, because it's artificial. So he said, ideally, red, if they're in red light, that increases, that that makes for better reproduction. Blue light makes them eat more. So he said, ideally, you would have the, the light, the artificial light, be red for a while and then switch over to blue so that they lay more eggs and that they eat well. Interesting. I just learned something about chickens. <laughs> but isn't that interesting that in God's creation, the natural sunlight has all of that. And his, uh, his creation responds to that. I find that fascinating. He did something else that he told me about. He said... <clears throat> that if you take a red light and you put a piece of paper under the red light, take a pen and start writing, you can't read it. He said if you look real close, you could maybe make it out a little bit, but it could have been the indent that the pen actually made on the paper. Doesn't that remind you of what Isaiah said? Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. So maybe the blood of Christ being applied to our sins is like seeing through that red filter. It is no more. You can't see it. It doesn't show up. It's forgiven. Wow. What an illustration God gave us in a natural sense. Now let's look at some scripture. Um, You can turn to John 1. I'll be getting to this passage here in just a little bit. I want to look, my goal today, and I hope it doesn't take too long, but my goal today is to look at what these different passages have to say about light. And most of this has to do with us, with the spiritual light that is within us. I want to first of all establish, though, before we read the text in John 1, how 1 John emphasizes the fact, I love the simplicity of 1 John. It says it as it is, in clear English, no question. John makes his message very clear. He says this in 1 John 1, verse 5, This then is the message that we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. I find that interesting. God is light. The essence of God is light, you could say. 
And in him is no darkness at all. James said it this way. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. There's no, God is pure light, we could say. There's not even a hint of darkness in him. Interesting. And I see, find James's phrase interesting as well when he says, the father of lights. God is light. No variableness. You know, a shadow is what happens when something comes between the light and you or the object itself. That casts a shadow. Well, that's not the way it is with God. There's neither shadow of turning. That tells you how faithful God is. Now, let's look at John chapter 1. I'm going to read uh, the first 14 verses. Very familiar passage, but a very rich passage. John chapter 1, the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness darkness comprehendeth it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the story of how Jesus came on earth, in summary. Light came, and when light came, life was able to be had as well. I see in verse 4, in him was life. Jesus came, and he said, I am the bread of life. Jesus gives life. And when he comes to you and gives you life, he also will light you. To be like him. Verse 5, it says, The darkness comprehendeth it not, or it is not overpowered. The darkness has not overpowered it, the light. It has not put it out or absorbed it. So I think what the Amplified says. There was a man sent from God, verse 6, whose name was John. John came as a witness, verse 7. John, verse 8, is not that light. They're talking about And notice this light is capital. That's referring to Jesus. So John was not that light, but he was a witness of. He was called the forerunner of Christ. That was the true light, capital L, that came. And that lights every man that comes into the world. And it says here that he came into his own. I think that means his own people. And they didn't accept him. But, it says in verse 12, as many as did receive him, those were the ones 
that he empowered, that he lit, if you would. And he also, <clears throat> he also sent us Jesus, it says in verse 14. He was made flesh, and he lived among us. He lived here on this earth. And he was full of grace and truth. And one of the most powerful things about Jesus is the fact that he lived here. He walked here. He knew, he knows what it's like to live here. And because of that, it says in, I think it's Hebrews, he's also able to walk with us and to help us in times of trial and temptation. Wow, what a savior. I also want to think a little bit about the verse in John chapter 8, verse 12. It says, and I'm going to be referring to a lot of scripture. You don't have to turn to them. But John 8, verse 12 says, And Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You see that connection? Light and life. It's interesting to note that this verse is right after Jesus. Uh, it was the account of the woman caught in adultery. And Jesus said that he doesn't accuse her either. By freeing her of that accusation, he was bringing life to her. He, the light of the world, gave her life. In John 11, this is the account of Lazarus being raised from the dead. He was going to go to Bethany, and his disciples said, Oh, you sure you want to go there? The last time you were there, they were really watching out for you. And this is Jesus' answer in verse 9 of John 11. Are there not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Aren't you glad for the day? You can see where you're going. If you try to walk or go somewhere, when it's dark, you have to have some kind of a light, or you might crash. <laughs> we lived in Virginia for a while, back in the sticks. I mean, it was back in. And it was very dark. And one night, the, um, one of the local people walked from, they didn't live far from, the, from uh, the church, the house, but they lived down the road past the lights of where we lived. So there was a stretch where the road was really dark. And it's, this was in the mountains. And so the, there's, they had to blast some rocks for the roadbed, and then it went down fairly steep off the one side. Well, this poor lady was walking home without a flashlight, and she got off the side of the road and literally fell down a little bit. I think she injured her knee. That's because she didn't have a light. If it would have been during the day, no problem. And that's the difference. Jesus said, if we walk in the night, we stumble. I'd like to think about us as God's children. How does this light affect us? We as God's children are to be a called out people according to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2 verses 9 and 10 says, But you, ye, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. It's kind of like saying you were dead, but now you are alive because of Jesus coming into you and giving you light. 
We're called out of darkness. That's past tense. We're called into his marvelous light. That's current. And we are to leave without a doubt whose we are. Show forth his praises. That we are truly his children. It's interesting to think about the fact that Satan does not like the light. In fact, they do, Satan does his best in darkness. He's associated with darkness. We sometimes talk about the powers of darkness and so on. But light can reveal sin and wickedness. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 to 6 read this way. But, our gospel, but if our gospel... Sorry, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake. For God, who hath commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Satan loves to keep people in the dark, if you would. Keep them blinded. And so that the gospel, if the gospel is preached, it can't penetrate into a person's heart. But when that light comes into a person's heart, the darkness, is exposed, darkness goes away. The sin is exposed. Interesting. I also see in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, that God who will judge the world is not fooled by the things in the dark. Maybe there are some things that are in the dark today, but they will one day be exposed. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, therefore judge, not be, therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. God, who is the light, will one day expose or reveal those things that are maybe currently hidden by darkness. I see in Scripture the importance of living exemplary lives. I'm sure you know Matthew 5.16, probably by memory. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The purpose of letting your light shine is not for you to get the praise. But the praise should be directed to God. Whose do we belong to? So what are some distinctions of this light as it comes into our, our lives? I want to think, hopefully, a little practically now. Um, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 to 18. Be not unequally yoked together. With unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he which that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell among them. I'm sorry, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. And be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. There's a whole list of things that are considered opposites. You know, when you have two, when you use a sentence and you use two opposites, it's what they call an oxymoron, uh, an original copy. 
that's an oxymoron, etc. One man <clears throat> was sitting beside me, kind of an ordinary fellow, it wasn't Tim Beachy. But he, uh, this preacher was talking about oxymorons and gave a few examples, and he leaned over to me and he said, I have one for you, Ford Power Stroke. Oh. Junior, don't say that in church, but anyway. <laughs> I don't feel that way, okay? <laughs> but he did because he had a bad experience. So we can't have these two opposites be true simultaneously. Does light and darkness mix? If you mix black and white, you get gray. That's neither white nor black. You can't have fellowship with righteousness and unrighteousness. There's no connection between, there's no communion between light and darkness, it says. Christ and Belial, I think that has to do, if I'm not mistaken, something with Satan or a something, anyway, it's the opposite. He that believeth with an infidel, a believer with an unbeliever, the temple of God with idols, it's kind of an either-or. We are the temple of the living God. If God has come to us, in us, and has that light in us, then we are the temple of God. And God's light shines through us. We are to be reflectors of that. Idolatry, someone has said, is anything, anything that comes between God and and I, anything that's more important than God in my life. I also see in this passage that we are to be separated. We're to be separated from the world, and we're to be separated unto God. It's kind of a two-part. What else are some distinctions of this light? Ephesians 5, verses 8 to 14. For you were sometimes darkness, <clears throat> but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all godliness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light." There's multiple things here that we could look at. Something changed. He says here, you who were sometimes darkness. We were sinners. But now, we are light in the Lord. Something changed. Jesus came and made that change. So now, if that light of if that light in the Lord is with us or is in us, then we should also act that way. What are some of the things that it says here? Well, it says here that we should not have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. I'd rather rebuke them. Take no part with those fruitless deeds of darkness. Rather bring them to the light, expose them, reprove them, convict them. Those are some thoughts from the Amplified. And again, I see in here that it says... That light exposes things. The shameful things done in secret are made manifest or shown by the coming of light. <clears throat> so those are some things for us as children of light to live by. There's more. 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 4 to 8. 
But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are all children of light. I think he's speaking to the church here. And the children of the day. We are not of night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. Except for night duty, right? (laughs) And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day... Be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And for an helmet, the hope of salvation. We are the children of light, the children of the day, as it says. We're not of darkness nor of night. I had to wonder, maybe because I'm at Bible school, but I had to wonder, does this give any hint about uh, late night hours? Um, Maybe we shouldn't party. (laughs) It is, I think it is a... uh, it is understood that crime can happen any time, but it is thought that violent crime tends to happen more in the evening or evening into the night. Anyway, maybe there's something for us to think about. I'm not here to establish any curfews or anything like that. But I think, I think we do well to, to think about that. One more uh, in thinking about how this light affects us from Romans 13, verses 11 to 14. And that, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed, than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. How? Here's a few hints. Let us walk honestly, as in the day. Don't be hiding things. Not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. One of the trademarks is that putting on of the armor of light. And I think one way that we do this is by casting off those works of darkness. The Amplified says, fling away the works of the flesh, fling away the works and deeds of darkness. Maybe as we're faced with the decisions that we make each day, we could think of it this way. Which one would be closer to the light? Is there one that's closer to the light and the other closer to darkness? The other thing I see, I mentioned already, that of walking honestly. Let us live and conduct ourselves honorably and becomingly as in the open light of day. It's the life of transparency. And it said, make no provisions for the flesh. Starve the flesh. Put a stop to thinking about evil cravings of your physical nature to gratify gratify its desires. Again, from the Amplified. Now I'd like to read from 1 John again. I already read uh, just a couple verses. I already read the one, the fact that God is light. And I'm going to read the next couple verses as well. 1 John 1, verses 5 to 7. This then is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, And walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Just as water and oil don't mix, darkness and light don't mix either. We cannot walk in darkness or in sin and expect to have the proper fellowship with God. In Psalms it says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Because God is holy, he cannot stand sin. Thank God for the 
wonderful work of salvation through Jesus. That through, by applying the blood to our lives, we can have fellowship with God. There is a provision made for our sins to be covered. Praise God for that. And it says, not only fellowship with God, but fellowship one with another. If, we, if, if I walk in the light and you walk with the light, we can connect. We can fellowship. And I'm sure you've experienced that. You've met people, strangers maybe. And there's something about them that seems to just kind of connect. Do you know what I'm talking about? Then there's others that it, it just doesn't go. <laughs> I worked at a voluntary service unit as well. <clears throat> we had a lot of volunteers. <clears throat> and I was always always a little wary about um, making sure that the atmosphere, I was concerned about the, the spiritual atmosphere being good and healthy. I got a call one day from a young man who asked me, the first question he said was, what are you young fellows like? Okay, young fellows like, okay, what? Give me some context. I'm not just going to say good or terrible or immature or uh, manly or whatever. And so I, I quizzed him a little bit, and he said, well, here's the situation. He is working with a young man who wasn't doing so well. He kind of got, he was trying to date a girl he wasn't supposed to date, and they tried to sneak out together and got caught. And he said, if he would just, he's a good person, but he's a little bit, he needs a little stability. If he would be in a good environment, he could really develop. Oh, I, I hear, I heard that. I heard that a lot. Well, I told him, <clears throat> I said, the problem is, right now the fellows might be fine. I think it would be a good environment, but said, what I don't know is what it's going to be like in six months from now. And I said, what I've found is that if there's one person struggling and another person come that's struggling, I said, they always find each other every single time. And his response was different from what I expected. He said, you're right, they do. And so I said, so why is that? And in 30 seconds, he explained something I had, couldn't get a hold of for years. But he said, well, it's because, spiritually speaking, as in our spirits, he said our spirits always have their antennas out there. And we're mingling and looking for other similar spirits. And he says when we find one of similar spirit, we connect. And I said, thank you. You've explained something I've wondered about. You've put it in a wonderful package for me to understand. And I think that's exactly what First John is telling us. We will find those that are also following Jesus. They have the light on inside of them, that's attractive. And it connects with our spirit, and we can have fellowship one with another. What a beautiful picture. Praise God for his church, people that we can connect with, we can fellowship with. How wonderful that is. There's another one that's very practical. In 1 John, again, this is chapter 2, verses 8 to 11. He says this, Again, a new commandment I write unto you, that thing... Which thing is true in him and in you? Because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is not occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother 
is in darkness and walketh not it and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness has blinded his eyes i see a very simplistic test of whether we're in the light or not in the light by whether we have love for our brother or whether we hate our brother the amplified for the word hate says despise or detest so we could read the scripture this way he that saith he is in the light and despises his brother or detests his brother is in darkness. But he that despiseth or hateth or uh, detests his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness. The other thing I see is that that is a blinding thing when we don't have love. Contrast the detest and the despise with some of the characteristics of 1 Corinthians 13 where he says, and this is not complete, but love is patient. But he that is patient with his brother, and he that is not envious or jealous of his brother, he that is humble and doesn't think only of himself and inflate his own ego, he that loveth. He that is not rude, doesn't seek his own. You know 1 Corinthians 13. The test is, if we walk in the light, whether we have love for our brother. I want to quickly yet close with the, uh, the last part of the scripture, we opened up the, this little study by looking at Genesis 1. Now I want to look clear at the other end, because I think the light of the gospel shines from Genesis to Revelation. Revelation, just consider a little bit, what is ahead for the child of God? I want to read Revelation 21 verse 22 through chapter 22, verse 5. And I saw no temple there, and this is describing the heavenly city. I saw no temple there, and for the, God, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the tabernacle, I'm sorry, are the temple of it. And the city hath no need for, of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. The Lamb of God, that's Jesus. We don't need any sun. There won't be night, because the light is going to be on Forever. The light of the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. That means there's no shade of darkness where this pure light is shining. Wow. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. For there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, any shred of darkness, if you would. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination, nor maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruit, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him, for they shall see his face. And, shall, and, their, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Again, there shall be no night there. And they need no candle, no emergency lighting. No incandescent bulbs, no fluorescent bulbs. They need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, 
and they shall reign forever and ever. God is light. And as we're here on this earth and we're busy working for God and and letting our light shine, let's make sure that we are indeed inspiring those around us. Let your light shine that they may see your good works and glorify not you, but your Father, which is in heaven. May God bless you richly as you let your lives shine. Turn it back to the letter.